Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Tour de France Stage 7. We finally had, I think, the most chill stage of the race so far. You need a few of these stages, you know, 170Ks from Mont de Marsan to Bordeaux. Not even a, wasn't even, you know, waking up at 9am and Twitter's like showing wind predictions of crosswinds. <laughs> there wasn't even that. And I thought, you know what, after the stress of yesterday, I got a pounding headache. Um, you know, I'm running the old school sparkling water Panadol system like the, the older riders. Um, we'll see how that works out. Let's just, let's just not watch the first three hours of this stage pretty much. And as I said, there's one categorized climb, the Code de Bourget, 1.2K is 4.3%. It's got one KOM point, not even Nielsen Powerless in his wildest dreams. We'll get in the break for that one. And then a very technical sprint into Bordeaux, a flat sprint wide at the end. Benji, talk us through, though, you were a little bit more attuned to what happened before the stage because there was adjustments or thoughts about or changes to the, the end of this stage. I sacrificed myself this morning to look at the change. And the first change was about the final. There was a pretty sketchy final in the sprint stage with some dangerous corners with 3.3 kilometers to go, roughly. And as a consequence, the CPA, so the, the riders' union, yeah. basically, they went to the UCI on 2ASO and asked for the uh, three-kilometer rule to be moved to 3.6 kilometers. So if you don't know what the three-kilometer rule is, it's basically that if you puncture or crash in the last three kilometers of a sprint stage, then it won't count for GC. You will get the time of the group that you basically had the accident in. That being said, they move it to 3.6, which I think is... Uh, it's good that they care about safety, but it doesn't change a single thing safety-wise. Is if Jumbo Visma wants to keep their GC riders safe, if UAE wants to keep their GC riders safe, and they know there's two corners within those 3.6 kilometers, they're still going to ride at the front until three kilometers anyway. And yeah, if we saw the other day on the motor circuit, if you're already at the front and your GC contenders in second wheel and your guy at the front still got some juice left, you still hold that position for as long as possible. Yeah. So, And also the fact is, and we'll get to this after the stage, that the leadouts here are not good. Um, I think this is really like the, the death of the lead out at the Tour de France began last year and we saw it last year, but this year, like really, really the lead outs, the death of the lead out is in full effect. There's basically one team here with what I would call a, a top level lead out and you can know, no prizes for guessing who that is, but you know, and with that being said, Benji, with so many teams like a Bahrain, they're not going to put a rider, yeah. uh, Jayco, maybe they will. I'm trying to think of some other teams will split. Bora, they're not going to put a rider on the front to chase. And with Philipson having won the first two sprints, did... I know this is a boring sprint stage. I know it's flat. I know there's no crosswinds. I know yeah. there's... But it is a technical finish. Who is going to chase? Because Alperson, I'm telling you, and I said it the other day, I already went on a long rant about this. Alperson do not like being lent on too much. They, they'll, put them, they'll put it one man. If another team puts a man and then there's a joke break, they can control with one guy. They do not like dipping into Sir and Crada chase with 30Ks to go. That's not what they want to do. And so I am surprised there aren't more teams apart from some of the French teams wanting to have a go on the breakaway because I, I really don't, I think a lot of teams don't either have the capacity or the willingness to help Alperson for control this stage. I'll be honest, I think the answer for that is simple. I think Norwegian's team, Jayco, I think even Lotto, that team, I think all the teams with a sprinter along those lines 
are still willing to pace. I don't see why they would give up after two stage wins of Philipson to evade potentially winning another one because they still have a better chance from the peloton than with a random dude in the breakaway. I think Durbridge going in the break has no chance of winning the stage for me. Maximizes their win probability because it will put Alperson under pressure. I agree with that theory. And, and then suddenly, you know, you, you, you equalize the lead outs a little bit because right now, if Alperson can do what they want with the lead out, and Philipson has the legs he has, yeah. as we saw from the previous two stages, you're not going to win. So I would have been, I would be thinking about the game earlier in the stage. Should we use Durbridge to just kind of hold middling position at 30Ks to go? Or should we try and make this overall stage more difficult for Alperson? So breakaway-wise, you basically hinted at it. Not that many teams intrigued to get in the breakaway in this stage. And... Hey, it's a similar situation as the last, the last stage. Eh? The fact that there's no KOM point, you, you mentioned it, Paulo's ain't going to go in the break for the first 70% of this stage, you know? So we see a break when this is one of the most humorous breakaway phases I've seen in a long, long time. We see an attack by Abrahamsen from UNOX, Oliveira from Movistar, Guglielmi from Arkea, and Burgodo, AliExpress Alphalipe from Total Energy. So four riders in that breakaway and... Uh, the breakaway kept complete for a total of, I think, 600 meters before Movistar rider Oliveira gets a bit of a phone call on his radio because he starts talking to the team. And meanwhile, Abrahamson is just off the back of the group, falling down to the peloton. He's like, I'm not doing this today. And then Oliveira waits for the peloton, all within one kilometer of the, of the breakaway forming. And then Burgeros in the wheel of Guglielmi, and he's probably like, well, this ain't going anywhere this way, so I might as well jo just go to the peloton again. And we've got a solo breakaway. And does it surprise you that a team like Total Energy with Burgodo doesn't want to spend the day on the breakaway, knowing that the only other chance of having anything in the stage of 15 position or something for Sagan? I think Sagan should go on the break because <laughs> what, what else is he going to do? You're paying him now just for exposure. He's not going to get you any results. He's basically not. He's no good anymore. But Burgado, I actually think they did the right thing calling him back because yeah. I think he should try a flyer in Limoges tomorrow. It won't work. Yeah. But, or maybe he can go on the break in Limoges tomorrow and, and there's more of a chance if other teams yeah. don't want to chase. So, and, and especially if Alberson won't chase. So I think they did the right thing. Burgado is actually probably their best rider almost on the team um, calling him back. But yeah, as I said before, I'm surprised that other teams aren't putting strong rulers in the breakaway. So the breakaway was one man, and obviously that's easy to control for everybody in the peloton. We had a bit of a funny moment in the peloton as well. Vambala was basically riding in front of the UNOX train, and his Dutch jersey, if you look from the front, is red, because the shoulders are red. And because he's riding in front of the UNOX train into the feeding zone, this one year of Yumbo just doesn't give him a beat on. Valid. He probably thinks it's the UNOX rider. I mean, yeah, Vambala should know. He should be able to tell he's Dutch. Dutch people and Scandinavians look very different. Um, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. Um, I actually do. I actually can pick. Like Christoph does look different to Van Bala. Um, but yeah, I think the Swanee was going to have a few words because I think he missed a bit on later too. I don't think it was because he was in front of Uno X. Um, he missed another bit on when Nathan took multiple. But so maybe Van Bala was very dehydrated <laughs> this evening. Um, the IS Benji. Have we, has anyone dipped out of bothering to contest for this IS? Van Aert didn't lie when he said he's not going for green. He's mm -hmm. not winning green. Yeah. Van Aert is, he's not winning green at this tour. Yeah. Um, whether he goes home or not 
Is there anyone else that did well to go for it today? Because Philipson cleaned it up once again. Well, when it comes to the K1 points today, I feel like the main names I saw in that sprint was the likes of Philipson winning that sprint in front of Kokar, who's been doing well at the intermediate sprints and a bit less at the finishing sprints. He's second in the intermediate in the in the points classification as a consequence of getting close on and every you, single you one of the like intermediate sprints. You get like ten grand for second, I think. Oh, that's worth it for yeah. for Kofit is ten grand. It's paying a salary. <laughs> no, and you also get money for each IS. You come say like he would be racking up a, a fair bit of change. That's crazy. Then we've got Peterson, who I think got fourth in that sprint. Jordi Mays was competing. The rest of the group, I didn't necessarily spot other riders, but yeah, those were the main names that were fighting for it. So it's not surprising that was on these stages, the Wellsford is not fighting for it for me because he's too far in those points classification anyway. He, he just wants to win a stage. Exactly. That's his goal. And I think that's the same now for you and the same for Cavendish, who were seen doing this way more before. They were seen doing this in stage one and so forth. Uh, going in the, in the intermediate sprint. But anyway, intermediate sprint worries behind us. Anything else to add? No, no. There's nothing, there's nothing really else in this stage. It's wow. just, oh, is there? The duo breakaway of <laughs> Nos Peters and um, Pierre Latour was disrespected earlier this podcast when you said that Burgodeau was the best rider on the squad because he went in the breakaway no, with Nos Peters to put things right. Pierre Latour can't go downhill with the, with the World Tour Peloton anymore. <laughs> like seriously it's a problem like he's a really strong rider yeah. but did they better not have got Guglielmi better have got uh, combativity right I don't know but I would guess he would like it'll be despicable he's French so it'll be he did Luke said he did because that would be despicable if the poor bastard's been out all front all day two guys join in late trying to get some camera time later in the afternoon and of course they drop him later on because he's been in a solo break all day okay I mean Okay, man, they should have signed Miguel Angel Lopez or Kev Naira. I'm telling you, I keep telling you, like, they don't have much here apart from Mozzato because Bar poor old Bargil did the Giro and got sick or something or crashed and, like, they're leaning on him pretty heavily. Um, but I think Mozzato got a decent amount of points. But, yeah, they joined him. I tuned in about now properly at about 40 cash to go and already the GC teams were, were up there, Benji. There was no, no chilling today. Lotto came up early. Or were they Ineos are up there? So they really believe in Carl, and Carlos Rodriguez is their main podium prospect. Um, they want him to come third on GC, his best case. What did you see from UAE today in the run-in? When it comes to the run-in towards like the technical last five-ish kilometers, I would say that Pogacar started using the Yumbo train because yeah. beforehand I felt like every time they tried to move to the front, they would be squished away from the front again. So maybe Pogacar trusts the Yumbo train more? I think, yeah, Trentin did a good job earlier and then Langen just can't do it. Like, he can't, yeah. can't do it and neither can Bjerg. So, yeah, they use, they Pogacar basically sit on the Yumbo train. Obviously, Yumbo, they probably need to put a rider on Vingegaard's wheel to, to back, to back Pogacar off. They can't just let him have a free ride. I know it's not a mountain stage or anything, but yeah. he's basically getting the same lead out and benefit of that Vingegaard does in these run-ins. And so they probably need to put a Kelderman or Koos on, on Vingegaard's back wheel and, and back Pogacar off. So, but yeah, that's just minor details. We basically see the sprint teams are happy with the GC teams controlling, I think, because they think, well, yeah. we don't have to use our lead out early. There's actually a fight and we also got to tell that Van Aert was at the back of the peloton. Laporte moved up. Laporte, so Van Hooydonk starts sending it. We're now in the final, you know, 10 kilometers. 
Van Hooydonk starts sending it. No one else can sort of keep up. Laporte moves in front of him. That makes it very, very clear. A, Van Aert's not sprinting. B, Laporte's not getting a chance to sprint, which I was actually more surprised by. So obviously all in on Vingegaard GC. But yeah, the other sprint teams, Benji, they were happy to fight for the second place behind Pagacha and Jumbo Visma. They were like, well, Laporte's going to do a magnificent job. And so why would we put Seren Krar or Jonas Rick up there? We can just slot in behind. And we actually saw Alperson even, I thought Poggy was going to get Get cop a big, big elbow, but they just slotted onto his wheel and just were happy to sit there and in, in deep into the final. Yeah, and when when it happened, when that move happened of Alperson kind of moving past Poggy, Poggy started moving moving down, and we couldn't see it completely because there was a, a train bridge over the road in some shape or form. But he started moving back through the peloton a bit, and I'm not sure if it was being squeezed back or a decision to move back. I think it was a combination of both, leading to the point that he wanted to move back as well. But it was such a moment where I was like. Jeez, this is sketchy, right? He was getting washed. He was getting pincered from both sides and he made a mistake. And I can't remember exactly the kilometer marker, but you can see it in the overhead. So he's sliding back, as Benji said. And I'm like, makes sense. You know, if you've already lost Jonas Wheel, the worst thing you can do is try to move up. You just slide back. You're about at 3.6 Ks to go. It was This was about 3.8, 3.7 Ks to go. I remember now. But then he was sliding back. There was a gap in front of him, Benji. And then he then sprinted forward or he accelerated forward and then had to break because two sprint yeah. guys just came across him because there was a space. And if there is any space in front of you, you think it's there, a sprint, a lead out, they're going to gobble that up and they don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah. Um, so that was, but he's got good handling, um, good reflexes. But yeah, just sketchy moment. Laporte takes Vingegaard deep into the final. He eventually starts sliding down and it's Alperson coming up with less speed than I think the other days where Ricard, I think the first stage in particular, Ricard really came through with speed in front of Adrian Petit when they were catching Asgren. Uh, and there was, this was more a steady lead out from Alperson and it was, they were short on numbers because Ricard goes and it's like 1.2. Yeah. And I'm like, Philipson's in good position, but there's Ewan and Groenewegen. They had a, they were having a big fight for Philipson's wheel, I think. Yeah, and like we saw a fifth Alpsen rider on the other side of the road, but yeah. he couldn't make it to nah, the front anymore. So it was down to the riders that they had up front. So they were fighting. Grunewagen basically won the wheel I think of so, Philipsen yeah. for a, a, some time. But I feel like the last seven, 800 meters had some straight line where a lot of people tried to come around. On the left side, we saw DSM desperately try and get Wellsford to the front. And got to be honest, Wellsford has spent more time in the wind than in the wheel of a lead out in that last... Yeah. Two kilometers, uh, he, right? He, he did two sprints before even getting to the yes. final 200. And Groenewegen as well, because Groenewegen eventually lost that wheel of, yeah. of Phillips. And we see actually Du Bois comes forward, walks to Ewan, and Ewan doesn't follow him again. Yeah. And this happened, what was the date? What was the uh, one of your races? One of my races? Yeah, it was one of your races. My dude, I don't know. <laughs> one of your races in Belgium. I swear Du Bois launched a lead out, and yeah. Ewan looked at him and said, Nope. Nah. <laughs> and didn't follow him. And I think Philipson cooked him. It was Philipson, Jakobsen, Ewan. And they both, everyone had decent speed, but Philipson was too good. I think mm -hmm. it was Balois, a Belgian tour. Um, and it happened again. Now, listen, he was going through and getting pinched a bit by, yeah. by Alperson. But eventually, MVDP opens up his sprint. And I'm like, this is early. MVDP yeah. is, you know, brilliant legs and, and all that. But it's like 600 meters to go and he's sprinting. He's doing the lead out. He's doing the lead out. We see actually Jayco come forward with Mezgets very late on the left-hand side with good speed. And the heli shot showed the speed differential and because uh, MVP was dying on his run. And 
Groenewegen drops into the wheel of Philipsen and is just cooked. That move's just fried him, uh, even though Mez gets moved him up late. We see Binny fighting for the wheel of Philipsen on the right-hand side, and they, they, Pedersen's coming up the left on the inside, and then MDP moves to the barriers, and Pedersen just gets squeezed, and that's his sprint done. Exactly, but then a move happens, because obviously when Vanderpool is done there with his work, somebody needs to do something. Because otherwise you've got this moment of everybody looking at each other. And that's where Philipsen does something really clever, because so many sprinters would at this point panic completely and start sprinting with 350 meters to go. And they'd lose the stage because they'd be leading out everybody else. Instead, Philipsen kind of slows down a bit. He obviously is still at a speed where he can respond to people. And he looks to his right and he sees that Cavendish is launching on the right side because Cavendish is like, maybe if I launch early, I might be able to get initial separation and people might not be able to get my wheel by the time I reach the finish line. Which, like, like UAE, when he beat Philipsen. It's like a video. Last year. Yeah. Oh. A video would do it at 500. I've actually pulled this off against Philipsen before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it work recently, launching that early, only out of corners or before a corner. But yeah, Cavendish launched. I wet myself. I went, Cavendish! Yeah, he did. Cavendish! Let's get a win! <laughs> It'd be, you know, good for the pod numbers for sure. And I mean, maybe he will while we're still talking about it. We've got another discussion point afterwards. Cavendish launches. Binny's sprinting. So Binny basically switches off to Cavendish wheel before Philipson because Binny was behind Philipson. So Binny sees Cavendish earlier than Philipson. He switches off. He's getting back up to speed, getting into the draft of, of Cavendish. And he's got that wheel. I would say he's, he's laid ownership to that wheel. Cavendish is sprinting basically to the right barrier because you don't, you, you don't want to open up both your shoulders. So he's got no space to the right of him. Oh no, sorry, he, he, he starts going that way. And then Phillips and Benji, he had basically started his sprint and then didn't go full. Yeah. And he waited and then he basically swings fully onto Cavendish wheel, into Binny basically, all the way to the barriers again. Binny has to break to not get crashed. At least he needs to stop sprinting. Yeah, he had to stop, which is essentially breaking. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he has to evade Phillips and unless, otherwise he crashes. And Philipson comes out of Cavendish wheel and wins by a bike length again because he does have, he is the best sprinter here. Uh, he also didn't have to spend as much energy as probably every other sprinter in the final four kilometers with the way Alperson kept him at the front, particularly Groenewegen and uh, Wellsford. You know, they, if you, I would love to see their power files, but I'm sure yeah. that Philipson spent significantly less energy in the final four Ks. I think so as well. And you hinted at it already. We've got that move from Philipson towards Binyam. Let's set the scene first. Obviously, I've called Philipson for about every sprint stage in this Tour de France as possible in the same way that I called Peterson for every sprint stage and the Giro one was completely wrong. But even with that in my back of my mind, I can't deny that this is sketchy because it's not the first time as well. And I feel like it's only a matter of time before Philipson goes a tiny bit further and someone hits a barrier. I mean, the whole... The whole Alperson lead out, frankly, of this Tour de France have been yeah, kind of like thugs. And listen, three from three, you don't make friends. You know, sprinters are not out there to make friends and you can't argue with the results. They got the best lead out. They got the best sprinter. If you, if I was the DS of them, yeah, I don't think I would actually tell them to do anything differently. I'd be like, of course, you got to take Cav's wheel. Get Benny off that wheel. If he wants that wheel, he can fight you for it. If I was there, yes. So, of course, from a sporting perspective, to get results, they're doing the right thing. Uh, but clearly, like, Philipson is going to crash someone very badly in a sprint soon. Yeah. He nearly did to Van Aert. He nearly did to Binium. 
maybe next time it's um, Gronewegen or Wellsford. Yeah. And they don't break. Yeah. Maybe they don't break. If Binny doesn't stop sprinting there, he gets pushed in the barrier. But it's not just Binny. It's Van der Poel on Binny on stage four. Yeah. It's Rickard nearly crashing Asgren on stage three. Very, very dangerous. I don't know how Asgren didn't crash. He came up underneath him and smashed his bars when he was sliding backwards. Very dangerous. And, you know, the, the lead out's been super aggressive. So, I think, I do think though, like, Again, is it a relegation? Yeah. Like, and I went back and looked at the Van Aert one with Philipson. I know there's a bend there, but I didn't realize that Van Aert physically had to put his elbow out on Philipson because Philipson closing to the barrier is so hard. To me, that's a relegation. I even think when Philipson looked at it, if you go and look at his body language in the seat when his partner shows him the footage and the time elapses, he thought he was getting relegated. He was like, <laughs> he was like, he's like, I fucked up. And he was, you know, you know when you're trying to explain how you've done something wrong? I feel like he thought, oh, that was on the limit there, how I went all the way and he had to physically touch me. I, there has to be a yellow card system, Benji, because the commissaires do not have the cojones to relegate someone uh, who has won the sprint unless they have crashed somebody. So only if you crash somebody will you get relegated if you've won the sprint. If you win the sprint, no one crashes, Benny's just a little bit mad, it takes... And the rules are kind of vague. They're not going to relegate anybody. So we need a softer system. If we take a look at the deviation rule that exists now, I've got it in front of me, 2.3.036 in the UCI rules. Riders shall be strictly forbidden to deviate from the lane they selected when launching into the sprint, in so doing endangering others. So to be clear, you can deviate from the left side of the road to the right side, yeah. from the right to the left. You can swing left, like right, Cavity. left, right, left, right, 10 times. Have swung, but no one was yeah. near him. You can do this 10 times back and forth from one side to the other side. Yeah. It doesn't matter as long as you don't danger, as, lo as long as your behavior is not dangerous to someone. Yeah. And the problem with this rule as well is that what is endangering someone? Philipson doesn't endanger Binion because he stops sprinting. But that's stupid, eh? If you have to adjust your behavior in the sprint, to avoid crashing because someone's deviated into, into you, you have been endangered because you are literally like you're avoiding danger. Advocate of the devil, can it be that if I get deviated into or someone gets closer to me, I panic and stop sprinting and feel endangered while I'm technically not endangered? I mean, yeah, of course. But then it's like, then there's the argument like, if Philipson had left Van Aert enough space, Benji, if mm -hmm. he left enough space for Van Aert to go through on stage three, and Van Aert just decided there was no space and backed out, then yeah. But there literally, he closed and there wasn't space. Today with Binny, Binny isn't like, oh, this is getting a little bit hairy. There's no space anymore. No, like he got closed and uh, he's nothing he can do. So I think if they're not going to relegate people, and I think this is one because frankly, like, I mean, if it's not, then yeah, people can just, and Binny was angry at the finish too. He put his hand up then we need a yellow card system. So yeah. if Jonas Rickard, he gets a yellow card for the Asgren thing. Philipson, okay, you're not going to relegate him for the move on Van Aar. There's a bend and you don't want to relegate the stage winner. Yellow card. That will, because if you get another yellow, you're out of the tour. Well, that's a red card. Two plus, one plus one. Yes. They, that will change behavior. I've got two things to say about that. Yellow card system, I love it for the reason that if we take a look at Van der Poel's behavior towards Binion, for example... Yeah. That can also punish Philipson in the future if you give Van der Poel a yellow card there. Because 
Vanderpool got relegated that stage. Has no influence on Philipsen winning the stage, regardless of the fact that Philipsen won that stage because Vanderpool pushed Binyam away. Otherwise, he would not have been in a competitive position. So, Vanderpool's move caused Philipsen to be able to win the stage. But Vanderpool gets punished, Philipsen gets not punished. If you punish Vanderpool with a yellow card, which means that if he does it again, then the team of Alpacin gets punished because it's a team sport, right? It's not an individual sport, it's a team oh, wait, sport. Everyone on the team gets yellow. No, only Vanderpool in that behavior. But how is because, it punishing the team? Because if Vanderpool does it again, then he's out of the race. Okay, okay. So that would also be a reason, but I've got one major issue with our, with our, with our entire system we're bringing up here. What are you going to do on a one-day race? Oh, how many sprinting one-day races are there? Come Mate, on. Mate, all the Belgian one-that-one races are basically... Yeah, you guys can all kill each other. <laughs> for, your, for your front page... In, Jesus you, Christ! For your front page in Omelope News, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, okay, Ashbourne Frankfurt, we'll have to workshop how it works there, mate. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. Actually, that was a small group. Um, and that's true. People, I mean, people deviate in small groups too. Like, you know, what's his name? Costa uh, on the guy on Lotto, Crone in Tour de Suisse or Romandy or something. So, And also, yeah. when it comes to last year, when we saw the, was it Bingo Bongo Tour or Balwaza Belgium Tour, the one where the quick step team was basically bullying Wellens to make sure that Schmidt could take the bonus seconds. The quick step team could get yellow cards there. Yeah. And Schmidt wouldn't get, well, Schmidt won the race anyway in that, in yeah. that golden kilometer because of the behavior that quick step did. But at least there'd be some punishment that could lead to the team being punished, I guess. No, Wellens didn't want that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. I, I, yeah, but I think like, do I think Philipson, he's, if he's sitting on a yellow card, he gets one more. He's out of the tour. Closes Binny that aggressively. Maybe. Maybe he does. He would have won the fucking stage anyway. Yeah, but maybe he does. Yeah, but as you said, maybe he's like, well, I can just take... There's also the option to take half of Cav's draft. You don't need yeah. to close all the way. You can... Like when we had Groenewegen yeah. and Ewan, okay, you're neither of you are perfectly on the wheel, but also you're getting some draft. He, does, he, does it stop him closing all the way? Maybe, maybe not. But then... Okay, he doesn't. He gets the second yellow. He keeps the stage. And then, yeah, he's out of the tour. I think it's tough. I mean, is it tougher to send a guy home from the tour or to relegate a winner for a borderline action? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. But I also believe that if we take a look at the sprint, Philipson rode the perfect sprint intelligently. Yeah. He waited for Cavendish launch, got to his wheel, took his draft and so forth. But if you win the process of doing something intelligently, hinder someone, then you're doing something wrong. Anyway, speaking of Cavendish, who was sort of the instigator of this whole action, he comes second after Phillips and Binium third, Mozzato fourth. That's actually a decent result for uh, Arkea. Groenewegen fifth, Jordi Mayer sixth, Bauhaus seventh. Why didn't they bring Bennett? I mean, it makes no sense. Like, Bennett won today, in, oh, yesterday in CBU tour. Like, well, my, against... Yeah, I know, but like, yeah, it's just silly. Bauhaus 7th, Cockard 8th, Christoph 9th, Pedersen 10th. He got squeezed out of it. Wells for 13th. He hasn't really been able to open up his sprint. Fabio, Mechanical Luke or squeezed out? Squeezed out. No mechanical today. Um, the legs are good. Because it was curious that Quick... I was surprised Quickstep were pacing so much, Benji. I was like, well, they do have confidence in Fabio after his crashes. So maybe he feels good, which is actually a good thing. But I also... Fabio hasn't been able to open up his sprint. I feel like... 
I feel like half the quote-unquote big sprinters haven't been able to do anything sprint yet. Well, if Alperson's lead out is just better than them, their position is Narnia. Unless uh, let's talk about that. Uh, big fan of the podcast, Ryan Mullen. He's not here for Bora <laughs> Hansgrohe, as well as because Ben major is, fan, <laughs> big fan. Um, he he has been integral to that Bora Hansgrohe lead out for Bennett. Yeah. And that and Van Poppel being the quote unquote best lead out of the in the world, which he's now losing that title at the moment. Yeah. And <laughs> he's not done really very good lead outs here. They're missing and a lot of teams are missing that setup, man, from one point two to come with speed with one point two. And mm-hmm. I, I was expecting, I was like, where is that man coming today with MVDP going too early? Because if Mullen can't move Van Poppel into a good position, then he can't do his ultimate lead out. And that's the same thing with, it would have been with, like, where's a Scotson? Where's a, I mean, that well, would be Degenkart. I mean, I said it before on Twitter, you know, DSM's lead out, I don't think has been that good for Welsh. And be like, oh, they got this, nah. they got that. It's frankly, it's not been good. It's not been good here. It's not been the best, you know, and I think it'll be better for him at Bora Hansgrohe next year if he goes there. So, um, yeah, there's just no lead outs here, Benji. I agree. I agree with that. And yeah, Lotto, Lotto was hit. Like, let's be honest about it. It's a shock that the bus was in true. the... They're doing a decent job. The fact that the bus was there still, even though yeah, Ewan crashed. didn't use him, that's good after the crash he had. Guarnieri's gone. Yeah. But when it comes to other teams, I agree with you in that assessment that there's a, a missing man in those early kilometers. The fact that Fred Wright is able to do that role... Fred Wright was setting pace. He came to the front with like 12Ks to go. Yeah. Saw there was no one there. Oh, he was like, what the, where is everybody? Went back. And then at 2Ks, 1,800 meters to go, he's at the front. I'm like, <laughs> and Laporte's just at the front. And Laporte was fucked. Yeah. He's, it's just, yeah, there's no, um, uh, maybe this is the result of the hybrid teams, Benji. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Because Jayco is not really a hybrid team. They got Chris Harper and Simon Yates and six people pl- with Grona Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still enough numbers for a sprint train. Bahrain are a hybrid team. I understand that. And they have done, a, you know, as good a job possible. But really, it's Sudar Quickstepper not looking good, Benji. Fabio's crashed aside, but they have aged out bad. They're aging. I think they got, I'll say it again, they were lucky with to win two stages last year. And then, frankly, when they came back to France, I didn't, we didn't see them for two and a half weeks. And listen, they may win a sprint with Alaphilippe either tomorrow. They may win a break with Alaphilippe, but... Then the Merku and Ballerini and Asgren domination yep. of 2021, it's a far cry from that right now. It's completely gone. I do have to mention when it comes to a sprinter that was in the sprint and did pretty well, Cavendish, he said after the stage I was on the right wheels. Once I kicked in, my gears jumped. I had to sit down. Then it goes back to 11 because it went, it jumped from 11 to 12 and then his gears went back to 11. So it's not ideal when you're trying to sprint, of course, because then he was able to stand up again and then it went back to 12 and then he was able to sit down again. So that sucks. His, his gears were fucked. So he's going to win on Champs-Élysées. There's no, nothing we can do about he it. He looked good. Like he's one man that was actually able to open up his sprint until his gear, gearing failed him. And How did he get there in that position? Well, th- he came from deep. This reminded me, I'm telling you, this reminded me so much of that UAE tour sprint where he went really early and beat Philipson. And I thought it was weird. I was about to blame his legs, actually. Um, I was like, why the fuck did he sit down mid-sprint when Cav goes? Like, he's not going to be able to sprint for just five seconds and then be cooked because then he got back up again, but he's lost momentum. And the other guys got the draft. So, yeah, I think that sucks uh, for him. Yeah, actually, second and fifth and sixth is better results than I expected for, for Cavendish, frankly. 
And um, yeah, hopefully he can have his gears not fail him in the next sprint and Alberson get unlucky one day. Would he have won? I don't know. I don't know because if his gears seem to fail him at exactly the same time that the others went to jump into his draft and then he basically did another lead out for them as he got himself back up to speed. Whereas if he was actually able to get separation and Philipson, probably Philipson still wins. He beats him, beat him by a bike length and a half. But yeah. a bike length, what's a bike length at 70 kph in time? Oh, how, how long is a bike, Luke? A meter. How long is a bike? A bit longer than a okay, meter, let, dude. Let's say a bike is, is 1.5 meters. That means that at 70 kilometers an hour, Philipson was not much quicker than Cavendish. Someone comment down below how fast, because I know a horse length. I do know a horse length is 0.17 seconds at 60 kilometers an hour. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I know that. You can ask me why later. But yeah, I don't think it's very much. So, you know, you shift your gears for a, a second. It, it could be the difference. I do it a meter. You actually thought a road bike was a meter long. How long's a meter? Like that. I mean, my arms probably is, is less than a meter because I'm a little T-Rex. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Are you sure it's more than a meter? Of course, when I mean like one, yeah, 160, your, 170. Yeah, your bikes might be. <laughs> Yours meter. <laughs> Me and Riolini's bikes might be only a meter. What have we got? The 650, 650B wheels. We've got to have the little wheels. <laughs> I'm on You've a, got the specialized I'm actually, I'm kitty a, bike. Yeah, I'm on the specialized little um, balance bike. It's been discounted. <laughs> I've, I cruise around Andorra on it. Fuck, I fly down Aldino on that thing. Use my feet to brake. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Is there anything else from this? I don't know, man. Tomorrow's stage? Tomorrow's stage. Um, it exists. Le Bon to Limoges. Limoges. I called this for Cocard uh, yesterday or the, no, on the preview. Um, and it's 201 kilometers long. It's like a soft version of the long wee stage where Poggy mm -hmm. and where Van Aert went on the solo breakaway and Poggy cleaned everybody, Bling and, and Pidcock. It's just not got the, the ramps are not the same, but it's basically flat for the first 124 Ks. There is an intermediate sprint at Tocan. I don't know whether what's going to, I think that break will take that and then Philipson will go again. Then there's a category three and two cat fours. The first category three is just a warm up, three Ks, 5%, ages away from the finish. Then really rolling, lots of uncategorized climbs. Um, they are pretty gradual. We're not mm -hmm. talking Basque. This is no Basque, you know, Rampas here. But then there's uh, two climbs, which are categorized, two Cat 4s back to back. The Côte de Mazmont, Mas uh, 1.3 case, 5.3%. It's pretty steady, but it keeps going up to the top. Then a descent, no flat. And then straight into the Côte de Condor sur Vienne, 1.2 case, 5.4%. That crests, let me check. Uh, about 10Ks from the finish. About 10Ks from the finish, that crest or starts, and it's like a rolling up and down and not really much flat, but big ring climbs, and then the final ramp is 700 meters, 4.3%. So it's not as difficult to run in as long we. The finish is not as difficult as Lausanne. This is really borderline. Like, Binny is, this is good for Binny. This is really, really, and I think Binny's look good, and I think his sprint is good. And, and it might actually be good for him that it's a little bit harder to run in. Van Aert, obviously, and Laporte is very, very good for. Uh, Philipson's my question mark, Benji. Do they go for the MVDP tomorrow, or do they try to get Philipson over these climbs? It's very intriguing because we don't really have that close of a reference in the last few months, no. I feel like, with these riders. Obviously, Van Der Poel's the one that could do the punchy sprints, but 
Philipson has done very good sprints in the past where he was doing so on relatively hard terrain. I'm trying to find back the, the Veltas he's done, for example. Is it stage 15? Yes, stage 15 of the Vuelta of 20, 2020. That was like a rough terrain with similar gradients throughout for like 70% of the stages, the climbs we have. The sprint was flat though, so that's the slightly different situation. But I swear there's been sprints where you got relatively cold. Like, for example, even the Swanches finish where Roglic beat Groschartner in that Vuelta. That was like a proper climb at the finish line, which 1.5k, 5.9%, and he got top six there. And which he's small. Exactly. He's not the same size as Groenewegg and Fabio and Bauhaus. He's, he's small. You see, all the sprinters dropped yesterday on, on Tourmalet or whatever it was. He drops 20 minutes later because he climbs way better. Caden Groves would be good for this. He's not here, obviously, but... Philipson wins. You reckon? But the, my, my only issue is... I think Binny wins. Who's going to control from the peloton for this stage? I agree, because Alperson, I think Alperson are going to be like, oh, we've won three. We can't be bothered, you know? <laughs> and they could, like, they're not, they, they might put one guy, but they're not going to, they're not going to burn their whole team to win a fourth if no one else helps. Them. Van der Poel in the break, Philipson from the peloton. It would make more sense than Van der Poel getting in the break yesterday. I think Intermarche definitely control. I think Trek control for Pedersen. This is a very good finish for Pedersen. Is there anyone else I haven't mentioned? Cockard, I think Coffert is control. I already called him for this very, very loudly. I, I think there's enough teams to control. I don't see the break going at all. Even Pidcock, Benji, Ineos might have an option on him and think, you know what, Magnus Court, nah. Van Poppel's not bad on these sort of finishes actually either. For Bora, I'll be interested. Is Mayus all right on these? I don't know, actually. I generally don't know. I feel like when it comes to these Belgian classics, there's always a bit of hills in there. Yeah. Uh, High Sepel. Like, it, there's a hill in there, like half a kilometer at 4%, just before the finish line, and he got there for the sprint. But I'll be honest, I'm. I'm changing my pick. Not World Tour, eh? Caleb Ewan wins. Caleb Ewan's actually very, very good on these, this, this sort of finish. Uh, he's won a Balwaza Belgium Tour stage. It was actually quite difficult. Did you know last year where he crashed? Yeah, that was harder than this finish. And, and okay, I don't, I don't think these 1.2k, 5% climbs, they're going to hurt, but I think he's in good shape. And he's not like the shape Benjamin when Toronto last year, he like just yeah. was the first person to drop. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think he's in decent shape. So these steady climbs, 5%, you know, Poggio, Ewan does them no bother, no muss, no fuss. So yeah, they're 10k from the finish, 4%, 700 meter finish. Very, very good for you. And I, I like it, like this for him. Okay, that's it for the wrap-up for the well, stage. Who you pick? Philipson. Philipson, yeah. But there's uh, some sad news from the House of Israel today. Mm. Mark is forced into retirement because he has a heart issue, which is, I still remember as a Belgian in my heart, the days where he was fighting in Omlo. 1v1 sprint at the end of it against Tom Bornen. Absolutely destroyed Tom Bornen in the final sprint. I was so hyped because I swear he was riding for Garmin back in the day during that period, and... He's always been that rider that got so close, but never really got the top prize at the races where yeah. he really wanted to win. Like Rupe, he got so close so many other times. There were years where he was absolutely the best cobble rider on flat cobbles, and he couldn't pull it off because he had so much bad luck. Crashes or mechanicals or, yeah. Sad. Yeah, sad. And last year, you know, he continued when he was sick and he rode a lot. So hopefully he's okay. Health obviously comes first. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, it's a shame he's stopping, you know, but not really much he could do about it. Yep. Uh, and the classic season is finished anyway. So, yeah. Um, I think the other news was Israel and there's some peace race that's being maybe launched in October between it would be in Israel, UAE and 
Bahrain. Bahrain and maybe Saudi will join later. I don't know how that will, and it's supposed to have like Grand Tour winners, et cetera, but that could also just mean Chris Froome going. Um, <laughs> like a Tour of Wonder. So that will also cut across going to the Tour de France route reveal, which ASO, ASO also run um, criteriums in Singapore. So Vingegaard didn't go to the Tour de France route reveal because he was getting a bag at Singapore in Singapore for the ASO's event there. And I don't know if Pogaccia gets paid to go to the Tour de France route reveal or just, you know, free, free flight and accommodation in Paris for weekends also not so bad. But so it will be interesting to see if that gets off the ground. That's supposed to be the end of 2024, I think. Like, obviously, that's, that's a sports-washing initiative. Let's be honest about it. But I... The I, peace race, Benji. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespect to the, re- the original peace race, which is U23, Quadrupé Junior, and, yeah. and Quadrupé Under-23, which is very, very big races for There was a different one before that, if I recall correctly. I think it was oh, a yeah. German peace race about Soviet 20 one. years ago. It was a Soviet, Soviet? peace race, yeah. Go to race. What's the next peace race we have in North Korea? Um... Yeah, maybe maybe Dennis Rodman can organize that with his um his biggest fan. What's the guy that was on into Marche who came fourth at Roubaix? Tom Devrint. He's Dennis Rodman's biggest fan. <laughs> a bit of trivia for you all. Um, anyway, that's all from us today. We'll be back with the Limoges stage tomorrow. Brian Cocard trying to get the job done. Uh, and yeah, make it two from the first week for Cofidis. But I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.